Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. Haku Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, John Schumann in New Jersey. John Hartzell behind the glass, bringing it to you as always around the NBA. The first week of 2019 is in the books. A new year, a new round of power rankings on NBA.com, authored by none other than John Schumann. But before we get to the ranking shoe, uh, we got to blow taps on the Timberwolves era. It's, it's officially over. Tom Thibodeau fired as coach and team president on Sunday. And after a blowout win over the injury-riddled and hapless Los Angeles Lakers, but Tibbs still gets the boot with the Timberwolves at 19-21, and 21, Shoe, an 11th seed. I don't think there's any shock that they made this change. I think when the change has been made is more surprising than anything. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I was looking at their sort of season. I didn't realize they played 13 games before trading Jimmy Butler. They were 4-9 and nine at the time of the trade. And then they went nine and three over their first 12 games after the trade with a huge improvement on defense. And some of that was schedule aided um, just in the, the sort of the quality of the opponents they were playing. And then since that nine and three stretch, they're six and nine. You know, they've had some injuries the last couple of weeks. Covington's been hurt. Derek Rose has been hurt. And so this decision came over this sort of six and nine stretch where they haven't really dug themselves out of the hole that they're in in the Western Conference. And and I think the potential is still there with any of these teams. I mean, uh, I was just looking at it like one, exactly one month ago, the Spurs were in 14th place. A little bit after that, the Rockets were in 14th place. Mm-hmm. And uh, those teams are now uh, fifth. The Rockets are fifth and the Spurs are sixth in the West. So it's not too late if they think that there's uh, something to be accomplished this season, but I think, you know, uh, the decision probably goes uh, beyond that and how they want to market themselves going forward. And, and, yeah. and, yeah. I mean, I'm, you can always point to different things. I got John Krasinski, the athletic, uh, you know, reported that the players of course were shocked. Nobody saw it coming. Tibbs apparently didn't see it coming. Ryan Saunders, the son of flip will serve as the interim head coach. Scott Layden stays as the general manager, but there have been reports, you know, from Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN and others that Glenn Taylor is reportedly interested in Fred Hoiberg, which there's been some conflicting news about that, whether or not that's legit, and Chauncey Billups, whose name seems to come up 
often now, you know, when when there are changes being made. I'm surprised that anybody's mentioning Chauncey as a potential coach because I thought he was more of a front office guy, you know, candidate in some places. The good news is that it seems that the plan is to keep those positions separate. And, yeah. and this right now may be the death of the uh, coach yes. slash GM position. It, it just hasn't worked out. Let's be honest. It hasn't worked out in the places where they've tried to dig in and let one guy handle all those responsibilities. It's been a very Sam Van very Gundy lost his push. job a year ago. Yeah. Doc Rivers um, maybe had the smoothest transition out of that dual role in, in, yes. in being able to keep the coaching the coaching job. And, uh, and obviously that was a, a good decision on the Clippers' standpoint. Budenholzer had that. Uh, role in Atlanta for a little bit although that was a different situation where he you know he's sort of forced into it yeah it's it's amazing how how quickly that that has come and gone you know where where coaches were in high demand I think uh, a few coaches were in high demand at a certain point in the timeline and were able to sort of demand that that dual role and then obviously uh, paid the price for it within a few years. I've always said it's too difficult having two jobs so diametrically opposed in terms of what your goals are. A coach is always trying to win right now, this this instance, trying to win everything, every practice, every game, every road trip, every off day, whatever, he's trying to win now. And GMs are charged with kind of a long-term plotting of of a course that just doesn't lend itself to wearing both of those titles that being um, said they, they they still have to be on the same page because go back to Thibodeau in Chicago and know. you know he only he was the only the coach there but that didn't work out because he wasn't on the same page with front office yeah and this this is what this decision says to me more than anything is you can you can talk about ticket selling campaigns that he wasn't on board with him you know in in the Twin Cities and he wasn't resonating with the fans he was getting booed every night you know and when they introduce him but the fact is look at the basketball decisions that were made on his watch and it was just one disaster after another like if Glenn Taylor is sitting back and saying we should be better than this based on the opportunities we've had, the, the resources that have gone through our fingers here under Tibbs, he, I, I tend to agree with him. But I think, in my mind, shoot, and having hindsight as, as a benefit, why, why would you wait till now? Like, why wouldn't you have made this move sooner in the immediate aftermath of Jimmy Butler, you know, and that whole thing going sideways? Or even in the summer, when it was clear that how Tibbs was running things and, and the way he had graded on some of your young talent, could be detrimental to to the process. I mean, I don't timing this just makes little to no sense to me. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it is weird. I guess why it didn't happen. Well, I mean, it's a good point. Like, I understand why it didn't happen in the aftermath of the Jimmy Butler trade because they started winning. I mean, they were good. <laughs> like I said, they went nine and three, and then things plateaued at that point. And I guess that's when the de- decision was made. The question then is also like, okay, then why wasn't this this decision made before the Jimmy Butler trade so that the person making the Jimmy Butler trade is the person that is going to be the general manager going forward. You know, like why let Tibbs make that trade knowing that Tibbs is trying to save his job first and foremost. Right. But I think they did okay in that trade. I mean, I think I like the the Covington and Sarah speeches. I guess maybe you're, you're hoping for a pick in that deal that, that, you know, if there's maybe a more savvy GM, maybe they get a, a pick in that deal. But yeah, I guess the timing is weird. As far as the basketball part of it is concerned, um, I don't think like the the trades 
that he made were so disastrous. The one thing I keep coming back to is that he came here with a reputation for being a great defensive coach, and he never got this team to defend very well. Shoot, they traded, he traded Zach Levine, got him out of town. You get Jimmy Butler and you tell everybody, you know, we got, now we got this style. We're ready to go. And they still ranked in the bottom 10 defensively last year. I mean, that's right. But I'm saying Butler blows up your team. And now you, I mean, what do you have to show for us? Like that? Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, um, that no, it didn't work out well. I'm just saying like on the surface, Mm -hmm. um, they traded for a good player and tried to accelerate the timeline. I can understand that the, the trade they made to Philadelphia, I think is, isn't a disaster and uh, it's a decent deal. You know, the Justin Patton pick did obviously, obviously did not work out. You know, the guy hasn't even played, you know, but one game, I think, in the NBA. So, I mean, I, I haven't, you know, gone through all all his transactions with the fine-tooth comb. The Derrick Rose signing obviously has worked, and that's sort of an underrated, cheap reserve that has well out-earned his contract, uh, at least this season. But like I said, I, I, the one, I just keep going, like, why, why have they been such a bad defensive team? You know, this year they rank 17th, and that, like, feels like a huge accomplishment uh, on that end of the floor. Um, and they've always been a better offensive team than defensive team, which just has always been strange to me. What's interesting is I wonder had had things gone differently last year, final night of the season, if Denver wins that game and they don't get into the playoffs, do do they make that change sooner? I, I really do. I wonder. I mean, it's one game, but it changes a lot. You know, puts you in the playoffs, gives you an opportunity, you know, to see what those young guys, Wiggins and Towns, are going to do in a playoff series. And they weren't very good against Houston. Yeah, either one of them. Fine line, but I mean, did you realize, and, and by the way, I was looking back at about a year ago, mm-hmm. a little over a year ago, the Nuggets and Wolves played in Minnesota, their first meeting in Minnesota. Did you know that Wolves won that game in overtime also? <laughs> so they, they played Denver twice in Minnesota, won both games in overtime and, and you know, beat them by one game in the in the standings for the final playoff spot. So, yeah, it's a fine line. Like one possession on any in any given game basically yeah. changed that whole – the sort of the whole path of, of the Wolves and the Nuggets. And, and look at what a crazy difference there is right now in, in the outlooks on those two teams. I mean, Denver's rolling, Yep, you know. At the sitting up there in the top of the mix of the Western Conference standings, and Tibbs is out of a job, and the the Timberwolves are looking for a coach. Last thing on on this Timberwolves situation, shoe. Who do you think makes sense for them as a coach going forward with the group of guys they have, with Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins clearly pegged as your franchise guys? Who who makes sense? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, no no offense to to Ryan Saunders, we. The only thing we know about him is that he's, you know, he's been in the league and he's flips on the sun, but we don't know yeah. what kind of coach he's going to be. Well, I mean, who's out there on the market? There's Ty Lue. There's, um, <laughs> there's Hoiberg, obviously. Is there a college coach maybe that, I don't, yeah, I you know, catches that? I don't know. It's out of my, you know, department. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if I, if Stan Van Gundy's ever going to coach again, um, Jeff Van Gundy is an interesting name, although I don't think he would take the job that Thibodeau just lost because those two guys are so close. Um, but he's a he's a guy that I think um, you know has uh, helped his reputation by the, the work he's done with the USA Basketball the last uh, year or so. But yeah, other than that, I don't know. I mean, there's got to be uh, you know I'm sure there's a, a handful of assistant coaches that are on the brink of having a job and and a Tory Messina in, in San Antonio is probably a possibility. You know, there are a bunch of guys that got interviews last summer, 
but we'll see. I wonder what this does to tips. I mean, I wonder where you go if you're Tom Thibodeau. I don't like, know. Do you do you vanish, you know, into the ether for a year or two and just because it's clear you have you you bottomed out in in two head coaching situations with a ton of resources and talent, or at least you know the opportunity to get talent at you know in, in those positions, and it didn't work. If he wanted to, he could probably emerge as a as an assistant somewhere. Last time he was at without a job, I, I spotted him at the Sloan conference. Though he was getting his mm-hmm. uh, his nerd on and 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 learning some <laughs> analytics uh, up in Boston the last time that one year that he was out of a job. So yeah, well, it didn't help. Didn't help him hold on to his Timberwolves <laughs> job. Um, anyway, just a, as as we noted throughout the course of the 2018 portion of this NBA season and before, the headlines never stop in the NBA. So so we're we're a week. In the 2019, we've already got our first coach firing, you know, in a, in a shift around the league due to injuries and other things. A really interesting shakeup shoot in the Week 13 power rankings. Uh, Nuggets, as I mentioned, number one. Spurs, number two, which is, wow. Out of, out of, you know, from where they were to where they are now, it's pretty remarkable. Last month, number one offense in the league, number one defense in the league over the last wow. month. And then wow. and then obviously on Thursday night they spanked the Raptors. Whacked the Raptors. And prior to the, yeah, prior to that they beat the Celtics. So yeah. um two two huge wins last week, uh both at home, but you know, hey, they're rolling. Yeah. Raptors at three, the Bucks for reasons no one can ascertain. Um <laughs> Dwelling at four with the Rockets at five. It, it, that was, it be- was a weird one. I, I I went back and forth. I could have had. I could have left the Bucks at number one. It ended up being mm-hmm. some sort of like head to head math. Okay. Where the the Nuggets' current five game winning streak started with a win over the Spurs. The Spurs beat mm-hmm. the Raptors. The Raptors beat the Bucks, and that's that's where we are one through four. Okay. And who knows? Hopefully, something will be more clear next week. But yeah, I'm not guaranteeing. I don't. I'm not. <laughs> Crossing my well, explain, explain this to me, Shu, um, because I've I've had difficulty as well. How do we how do we grade the Warriors? I see they're down to number eight <laughs> in this week. I mean, we know what kind of team they are when everything's clicking, but everything hasn't clicked. Nope. I mean, they, they haven't been able to to get on that Warriors run that we're so used to. We talked about this last week too. I mean, I I, I, just, I, I even saw it like they they featured it on NBA TV over the weekend. I was like, oh man, we really sort of laid into the Warriors for. <laughs> They had a big game on Thursday night and they lost, you know, they, uh, James Harden, they got killed by James Harden and the, one of the most ridiculous game winners we've seen all season, maybe the play of the year the so far, year you know, we just keep waiting for something to happen with that team where it lights a spark, but you know, maybe they just, they just don't need it. You know, I was looking at it last year, you know, we knew defense was an issue last year, but I was looking at it last year, they were a top five def- defensive team at this point and they sort of fell out of the top 10 in April. Right now, they're 18th in defensive efficiency. So the offense is always there. They're just too talented. You know, Steph Curry had another huge game last week. Clay Thompson has, you know, had some huge games. Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. But the defense just hasn't been there. And maybe that's part of that is is depth. They've had injuries. Um, part of that is a, a lack of um, uh, a, a real starting center. And Bring Zaza back, baby. <laughs> 
Um, and so, I, yeah, I think that's just that's the end of the floor where I just keep looking and, and keep seeing them, you know, not being all that consistent. And obviously, uh, you know, not being able to stop James Harden was another sim- another symptom. And obviously not being able to stop Harden is something that the entire league has struggled with here. Um, he's he's going nuclear on everybody here recently. But I'm almost wanting to take a break from psychoanalyzing the Warriors. I think we've maybe Please. overdone it. Let's, you let's know. move on. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to let them rest and revisit it. You know, maybe after an all-star break and see where they are. We talked about the Spurs, who are your team of the week. Big wins, as you mentioned. Celtics, Raptors, and Grizzlies all catch it from the Spurs. Did we bury Greg Popovich and, and his team far too soon this year? I remember. I was ready. I was ready to – I don't think I actually <laughs> did. I was ready. I had the, the shovel, you know, ready. But I don't think I actually started, you know, you know – piling on any dirt so fortunately i i didn't you know make any prognostications in print anywhere about them the playoff streak being over or being dead but I, they're just they've like i said they've been terrific um they have a bunch of good you know it's it's a bunch of good wins it's had it's been a home heavy schedule the last month um and then and so now their schedule is about to start to get a little bit road heavy and we know with a lot of these western conference teams winning on the road has been an issue and they're 6 and 12 on the road right now as good as they've been over the last month they're still 6 and 12 on the road and so uh now a lot of those road games are coming up and so we're going to see um maybe in the next few weeks if they can sustain this and stay in the top 5 or 6 in the west or if the the home heaviness of the schedule is what really elevated them to where they are yeah, I got a couple of other items I wanted to chew on with you, shoot. One, I, you know, I spent last week and some of my weekend handing out grades for the Eastern Conference for NBA.com's mid-season report cards, which will be coming out uh, any day here. Um, is the Eastern Conference graded on a curve? or No, the Eastern Conference is graded the way uh, you get graded at a Catholic school like I went to when I was a kid, where there is no curve and there is no nuance. It's, you make what you make, you get, you get an F, you got an F. The one thing that, that was interesting to me, just looking at all the different teams and kind of the, the data, you know, associated with each one, the Brooklyn Nets were the only team above the playoff line shoe with a negative point differential. And then I double-checked to see in the West if there was anybody with a negative point differential above that line, and there wasn't. What, is that, what does that mean when a team, you know, and, and it's, it's not a huge number. But does that say something about them uh, as a team that they have, that they're only one of the, of the current 16 teams above the playoff line that has a negative point differential? Yeah. I mean, it says that they're, you know, they've, they have, they've had more, probably more double digit defeats than double digit wins. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a play to the most close games in the league. So that's part of it. And yeah. they've had some rough luck, obviously in close games, but then they've, you know, in this, I think it's a 12 and three stretch that they've had um, since the, since that eight game losing streak, um, they've obviously turned their luck around in, in close games. And so, yeah, I think you always have to take that into account. You got to take strength and strength of schedule into account and Brooklyn mm-hmm. going forward has the toughest schedule in the Eastern conference, according to like a cumulative uh, opponent winning percentage, the toughest remaining schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so They've climbed all the way to seventh in the East. They're just a half game back of the sixth place heat, which is um, amazing. But we've said all along that spots six through eight have been wide open since the start. And any of these teams, you know, even the Wizards can make a little bit of a run and get get one of those spots. 
And the Nets, you know, still going to have to put some work in to hold on to the spot that they're in because of that tougher schedule going forward. But they obviously have a lot more more mo- momentum than any of these other teams. You know, basically in the power rankings, I have them at 15, which basically says they're the best team among teams that are just below 500 or at 500, basically, just because they've won 12 out of their last 15. 15 games, yeah. yeah with the number four offense, I think, over that stretch. They, their, off- their offense has been terrific. You know, they still have some defensive issues, but they got a lot of guys contributing. Uh, DeMar Carroll is the latest guy that's just sort of caught fire over the last few games. And Shabazz Napier, who's out of the rotation for a while, has come in and, and given them some really good minutes. You know, we've said it before, they're doing this without Karis LeVert, who's probably their best yeah. player. Well, it's just, it's weird. I, you know, the point differential is not something I spend an inordinate amount of time worrying about. On a regular basis? I take it into account. I know it's something that you've emphasized before, and then it struck me about the Bucks having the best point differential in the league. By far. Yeah. So, I mean. But then they've had the most home-heavy schedule in the league also. So they've had a, a sort of a, you know, more. Kind of a benefit of the Yeah. yeah. So, and they're, so obviously they're going to have the most road-heavy schedule going forward. And so, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, obviously, uh, they lost at home to Toronto the other day, but of course that was the second game of a back-to-back for them. And so it is what it is. You know, you just sort of got to take each game with a little bit of context. And you know, I'm a tough grader, shoe. <laughs> I didn't give out many A's. I'm just gonna tell you, there were a couple A's. Everybody else was B's, and then I did give out some, you know, B's and C's, and I did give out some F's. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I wrote it today. Like no team has been like as as good as the Bucks have been, and really they've been and the, the Raptors in the league. Um, no team has been like dominant. And I was looking at, it, I sort of went through every team. The long, you know what the longest winning streak in the league this season is? I would guess ten games. Eight games. Wow. Three teams have had eight game winning streaks. Those three teams are Golden State did it first from late October to early November, mm-hmm. and then Toronto from mid November to December first. And then Boston from right after Thanksgiving to mid-December. So the so the longest had, eight game we haven't had an eight haven't game. had the double digit win streak yet this year in almost a month. Yeah. Wow. And right now the the and and since Christmas every team has lost a game, and the the, the longest current winning streak right now is Denver at five games. Like so, there hasn't been like I mean Houston went on a huge run, right? Well, they before that run they were fourteenth place, and right. San Antonio went on just has just been on a huge run. Before that run, they were in fourteenth place. So, it's and like Brooklyn, huge run, right? But obviously they were they before that they were in, they had an eight game losing streak. So there hasn't been like a team that's been one good and then made a nice really strong run, or a team that you know has has gone on a winning streak for more than eight games. It's been pretty. Uh, amazing parody is the is the is the word of the year so far so have we really i mean maybe we've really finally gotten to that spot where we've heard people talking about it and wanted it for so long yeah regular season parody and post yeah. parody are two different things i guess but, yeah um but yeah as far as the regular season is concerned yeah like i've i've said it we've said it every week on this podcast i have a hard time figuring out who's number one <laughs> i think the one of the most comfortable ones I've had was that week I had the Clippers number one, and you gave me such a hard time about it. Like that, was, <laughs> like that one, I was like, "Yeah, the Clippers are number one. I don't even, I have no hesitation. They're number one at that point." Now it's like, I, "Yeah, I put Denver number one this week, but really, like, 
you know, somebody tweeted at me. He's like, why isn't, why aren't, how did the Bucks fall three spots? I'm like, you know, you're right, but I, you know, that's just the way it happened. You know, and, and somebody in Toronto, they just had, they just beat Milwaukee and Indiana in a back to back. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But, you know, they also lost to the Spurs. They got kicked, their butts kicked by the Spurs. They got destroyed. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know what to make of it sometimes. So you mentioned the Raptors. First team to 30 wins. You know, Kyle Lowry finally coming back. They, you know, things should look good for them. Houston looks like they're on an upswing. Um, obviously with James Harden playing the way he has and then the big win over the Warriors. The Lakers are going to have some work to do now with LeBron, you know, when LeBron comes back because they're in a mini tailspin, you know, barely holding on to that. They're off and they were you know, one and five without LeBron and their offense has been bad. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's work to be done for a lot of teams, which is fine. There's a huge, huge amount of time left in this season. I thought about that as I was looking at these records and I'm going. But we're hitting the midway point on Wednesday. Wednesday night is the midway point of the season, which is amazing to me. I feel like we just got to the quarter point of the season and now we're at the midway point, which is good in a way because maybe we'll start to sort some things out. But the trade deadline is exactly one month away. And so we have teams that maybe don't know necessarily if they should be buying or selling. Well, and we know what Daryl Morey is going to be doing. (laughs) <laughs> um he's no i mean he he well, said it he made it clear that he's they're gonna be buyers i mean he well, feels yeah, like he's got chris paul under a four-year 80 million or whatever it is 100 million I don't 180 know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got he's paying chris paul a ton, ton of money he has no choice but to be a buyer he can't he can't <laughs> sell like what you know then what does he do yeah i like it though i like that we have some real mystery as to what is going to go on in the coming weeks. And some uh, urgency with a lot of these teams, man. Yes. Orleans, I mean, we can keep going back to them. They, they've obviously got to be in the basically the most urgent position in the league right now. I'm wondering, too, like, you know, you talk about coaching changes and shifts and, you know, what happens if things don't go right. How does that – who survives in New Orleans if this season bottoms out and they're not a playoff team? Then you wonder, like, man, does this mean – you know, you take it apart down there. It's just a very volatile time with free agency looming, the type of talent that people seem to think will be in this draft, uncertainty about how this regular season finishes. I'll say this about New Orleans real quick because we just mentioned them. They are now number three or number four on offense. So mm-hmm. in offensive efficiency, they are third in the league behind Golden State and Milwaukee. So the, all, the whole the narrative is that Anthony Davis needs more talent around him. But if they have the talent to have the third best offense in the league, right? But then they rank 26th defensively. They're a bottom five defensive team. So do they need more talent around him? Or they just need better defenders or bigger defenders? You know, maybe they're just too small on the wings. Like, but the talent, when you think talent, you think offense, right? Well, they have the third best offense in the league. So then my, I keep coming back. Like what is, why can't they defend at a better higher level and if they just did if they were just the 15th best defensive team instead of the 26th best defensive team where would they be in the western conference yeah i don't know man that's a great question maybe we should go to new orleans for a few days and (laughs) do some investigating (laughs) maybe john Hartzell, check with the boss and see if we can go to new orleans for a few days and (laughs) do some uh reconnaissance work on on the pelicans because i i don't get it it doesn't make sense to me anthony davis is too good at this stage of his career, for his performance not to impact his team in a in a stronger way than it has, or maybe we're maybe we're pointing fingers in places they shouldn't be. I don't know. It's but it it bears further study, and I you know I don't know, I don't know where 
I know Alvin Gentry is a good offensive coach. He knows how to put together a system that takes advantage of whatever talent he has offensively. But if there's no defensive backbone with a guy like Anthony Davis, who's one of the few guys who could be an MVP and defensive you know, candidate and a def- defensive player of the year candidate as your anchor, it doesn't make sense to me. He ain't winning no defensive player of the year when his team ranks 26 I know. defensively. Which is, just, I mean, but he's individually as a defensive player, you know, and a talent. We know he's up there with the best in the league. Yep. Just makes no sense. Drew Holiday, too. Yeah, yeah, it makes no sense at all. <sighs> anyway, something to think about as we burrow through the rest of this week. Shoot, we're going to, uh, we need to come back Thursday. It's time to crank back up on our autopsies of, of different teams around this league, certainly as we get to the midway point, as you said. Um, I can think of a couple different teams I'd love to explore on the next episode of the Hang Time Podcast. And we will be back on Thursday with another episode. So make sure you uh, tune in. Be sure to subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes all season long. Make sure you leave a review. Uh, enjoy the content. Make sure you tell Shu what he does right and wrong on his power rankings. And we'll see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast.